about that last night, having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I don't know um, many of you, I don't know some of you watching via live stream, but I know this, Jesus wants to walk with you. And he wants to have that personal relationship with you. Uh, and if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I hope tonight uh, through the message and obviously uh, understanding that Jesus is the only way. Uh, it's not through a church. It's not through uh, baptism or religion. It's only through Jesus Christ uh, that we can know him as our Savior and have our sins forgiven. And uh, I hope the Lord will speak to your heart about that. Um, we're so glad to have uh, the Dignans and uh, just them being with us, uh, just getting to know them more uh, and just uh, appreciate what God's doing in, in their life and in their ministry. And uh, Brother Diggins is going to come tonight and preach for us. And so, Preacher, you come right ahead and I sure appreciate you. All right. What a blessing it is to be here again. Get this mic on. Did I get it on? There I am. Okay, there I am. All right, thanks, babe. I'll go and do it when I, when I do the scripture reading. I'll have you do that. Well, it's great to have a deaf person in the building tonight. His name is Robert, and he's a friend of uh, one of the church members here. We're thrilled to have him here this evening. So good to see him. So tonight you get to see, you'll be officially able to tell the community when you go door knocking. People ask the question, does your church believe in tongues? You'll be able to say, yes, you do. And uh, it's interesting because I'll be taking the text from Acts chapter 2 this evening. I think I shared this story at the marriage retreat. So marriage retreat folk, I hope you don't mind it. But the story's told a long time ago of a, of a deaf couple that was traveling way out in the western part of the United States of America. And they've been driving. This is way back 50 years ago when hotels weren't uh, like they are today. You know, they're the old school motels where you just pull up and there's a door and you go right in, you know. And um, they were traveling. and It was getting late at night. And they finally found an old motel. And this deaf couple pulled in and they paid for the room and... They got into the room, and, and they were ready to unpack everything. And the wife said to the husband, I'm so hungry. Please go get me something to eat. And he goes, can't we wait till tomorrow morning? She says, no, I'm so hungry right now. So the husband, being a good husband, left the room, got in the car, started driving around. And, of course, at that time of the night, in the middle of nowhere, he couldn't find anything to eat. I mean, he was driving around. And finally, he got back about an hour later. And when he pulled into the parking lot... He forgot what room his wife was in. Then he thought, oh, my goodness, I don't have a key to the room either. He said, what am I going to do? He had to figure something out. So he sat there for a moment. Immediately it dawned on him. This is the idea I have. So he immediately he laid on the horn and he just put his hand on the horn and the horn blared through the parking lot just continuously. And one by one, each room's lights came on except for one room. And he knew that was his deaf wife's room. And he's able to go bang on the door and she let him in finally to get some rest that night. So uh, it's pretty neat. I was telling the marriage retreat also, my dad used to say, the nice thing about being deaf is when your mom wanted to fight with me, I could just turn out the lights. Amen. So there's a lot of truth to that. Amen. But it is good to be here tonight. And we're thrilled. It was a blessing today to spend some time with your pastor and his family. And uh, we went to that incredible gourmet restaurant that mexican restaurant right across the street and what a blessing that was and uh, we had everybody there except megan we missed having her but boy you got an incredible pastor sammy i hope you realize that just i don't know what they did to malachi they must have given a lot of nyquil because he behaved so good for the two and a half hours we were there i i, I would have never sat that still for two hours but he did a great job and so he's got a great family we appreciate it so much god is good all right let's go to acts chapter two this evening acts chapter two great singing Thank the Lord for that, and thank you, Robert, for coming tonight. You drove 40 minutes to get here tonight, so drove a long way, so thank you for being here tonight. 
This time I'm going to ask my wife to read the, or sign the scriptures for me, and then I'll get back to preaching and signing at the same time. So let's go ahead and stand if we can in honor of the word of the Lord. And uh, I'm going to read our text. I'm going to take our text and read it from Acts chapter 2. And we'll probably read all the way down to verse number 11, maybe 12. And uh, I'll give you the title in just a second. And then we'll go back to me preaching and signing. I thank the Lord. When my wife and I got married 25 plus years ago, she didn't know any sign language. Um, and of course, she, she knew that I had a burden for the deaf and my family was deaf. And she embraced it and learned a lot of sign language. And she's fluent now. And all four of our children are fluent now. It's pretty awesome because all six of us can just talk about people anytime we want to now. And uh, we can be out in a public place and make fun of people and they won't even know we're making fun of them, you know. There are benefits to knowing sign language, amen. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one, what's the next word there? Place, correct. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under, uh, nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers of Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia. Sorry, babe. <laughs> A lot of places there. Uh, we'll just, all those incredible places of that region, all right? Verse 11. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And notice verse 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Right, you may be seated this evening. For those of us that are old enough this evening, we all know uh, exactly where we were when we got the news of 9-11's attack. As we sit here in this building tonight, all of us can reflect on that. In fact, how many of you tonight know exactly where you are and you heard the news of 9-11's attack? And it's amazing how an event can dictate our response and cause us to just embed in our memory something that we'll never forget. And tonight I want to talk about that as you think about that, because the world today is so obsessed with events. Uh, they, they love events. I mean, the Super Bowl is an event that takes place every year and it moves locations. It changes the location every year. And yet the fans do not care where it goes. They follow the event. As you look at the Olympics every four years, and I love to say, uh, proclaim that the United States of America consistently wins most of the gold medals. Hallelujah. In the Olympics, America. Amen. I know that all the medals are made in China, but thank God we still win. Most of the gold medals, right? And then you think about the World Cup. I'm not a big soccer fan. How many of you guys like soccer? All right, there's a few soccer fans in there. I tried to watch it. It's just not my favorite thing, but I, I admire the sport. They do a lot of running all over that field, kicking that ball across the field. But the World Cup is a big deal every, every four years and moves locations. And people don't care where it is. They follow the event. Winter Olympics, so on. Right now, March Madness. They meet in different cities all across the country, and people will go. And they don't worry about the place. They worry about the event. And can I just say that we can sit here tonight and look in the Gospels and study and find out where the place and the location was 
where Jesus had all these incredible miracles, where the crucifixion was. And one of the discussions we had at lunch today was about a trip to Israel, and your pastor and his wife have been there. And my wife and I have been offered many times. We haven't gone yet. We will go someday. We look forward to that. But uh, that's the place where Jesus did all the activity. And here we get in Acts chapter 2. The Bible tells us about this place that all these things took place. Don't don't miss this now, okay? I feel like the problem with America today is church has become just a place and no longer an event. And as I came here this weekend, I've just been overwhelmed by the fact that there's something happening right here at First Baptist Church of Eaton, Ohio. Thank God for that. And never take that for granted. And so tonight I want to give you some thoughts that will help this church in the spirit of revival. Last night we talked about personal stuff, okay? Now tomorrow night and Wednesday night we may go a different direction and talk about some doctrinal things. But, but last night we talked about personal revival. Now tonight, if all of us will maintain that personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus, letting Jesus Christ in our personal space, we then can be faithful contributors to church-wide revival. And I just believe this with all my heart. No nation has ever had revival without churches being revived first. And then before that, preceding the church revival is individual Christians getting revived by the presence and the Spirit of God. And so tonight I want to ask the question. Here's the title. It's very simple. Is your church an event or is it just a place? Now, we all know the answer to that question about First Baptist Church of Eden. And I thank God for your testimony. I thank God that this church is a church that's happening. What a great crowd on a Monday night. you got this new building. And it, by May, I think, Lord willing, you guys are going to be on the other side uh, conducting church, singing over there. It's going to be wonderful. Thank God for what he's doing in your midst. But I want to encourage you to continue this so that five years from now, ten years from now, this church is still an event and not a place. That people all over the place, even if they don't come to church, here they'll always know there's something happening at that place not because of the place but because of the event can i tell you something everywhere god shows up an event takes place mount carmel right all through the old testament you can see it when david brought god with him that day hallelujah a giant was slain and revival broke out in israel and all through the gospels you'll see that everywhere jesus went an event took place it doesn't matter where jesus was samaria galilee it didn't matter if he's in jerusalem jesus had the potential to bring an event an event is something that you'll never ever forget and may i start tonight by simply saying this none of us in this room should ever forget the greatest event of our life and that is the day we got saved by the grace of god Salvation by Jesus Christ is the greatest event that could ever happen to a person. I've had some wonderful experiences in my life. I've seen some wonderful places in my life. I've experienced some some incredible events in my life. But the greatest event of all, and I talked about it yesterday morning, was the day that I as a sinner realized and confessed that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And he was dead and he was buried and he rose again. And Jesus Christ became my personal Savior through repentance and faith. Praise God for the event of salvation. I hope everybody in this room tonight and those watching online have the testimony that you have the amazing event of salvation. So let me give you five things tonight real quickly that will help us as a church to maintain the spirit of First Baptist Church of Eaton, Ohio, that we will be a church that will always be an event and not a place. Number one, we got to keep assembling. Assemble. Number one, 
I'm going to be quick with the first two, but the, the, the latter three I'm going to spend a little time on. Number one, you got to assemble. All right? Assembly. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, And the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place. Hey, in order for an event to take place, there still has to be a place. And here is your place. Hey, listen, thank God for a church that you can go to. I mean, you don't live in Jefferson City, Missouri, so you don't come to my church. You don't live in Chicago, so you don't go to the churches there. You live in this area, and this is your place. And God has gifted you a church, and you as Christians can assemble together on a regular basis. By the way, think about March Madness and the basketball games right now and the Super Bowl. Think about all the people that assemble to those arenas, and they gather into those arenas, and they pay money to come. And I'm always, and i got to say this, sorry, back row folk. It's amazing how expensive it is to sit in the front row and nobody wants to sit in the back. But in church, everybody wants to sit in the back and nobody wants to sit in the front, right? That's just the way it is in churches today. But I want to challenge all of you, no matter where you're sitting tonight, to realize that you have assembled in an incredible place, a place called the local church that God has gifted to through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Thank God for the assembly. Be faithful. Don't quit. There's going to be tough times. Hey, the devil's going to fight churches like this more than he's ever. But can I tell you something? A good sign that the church is happening is when the devil starts fighting. That's a compliment to the church. But fight back. Stay united. Stay in one accord. Be excited and anticipate great things from God. Assemble, number one. Number two. I want you to think about the word atmosphere. Atmosphere. All right. Number two, I want you to notice this. The Bible says in Acts chapter two, verses six through twelve. I won't read all of it, but just pick out a few things. Verse six. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded. Verse seven. They were all amazed. Verse number eleven. At the wonderful works of God. Verse number twelve. They were all amazed. Listen, I- I've learned this about going to ball games. You don't just assemble. You bring an atmosphere with you. You bring a spirit about you that's different. Every time you enter a ball game, I don't care if you're an NFL fan, a basketball fan, a baseball, whatever it is. I know you got the Cincinnati Bengals nearby. You've got the Cincinnati Reds nearby. Whatever it is, as you go into that arena, there's people there that are bringing with them a spirit that will affect the atmosphere of the place. Most ball games that you go to are not similar or comparable to a funeral home. Most ball games that you go to, they're playing loud music. They've got bands playing. They've got cheerleaders running all over the place. They've got people on, 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 on their microphones announcing names and getting you excited and get you pumped up. But then we come to church and we lose that sometimes. Can I remind you that every Sunday morning and every Sunday evening and every Wednesday evening, you ought to bring with you not just your Bible, not just your family, but a spirit of anticipation, a spirit of excitement, a little bit of amen. Put a few amens in your pocket before you get to church and pull them out of your pocket and give them out to encourage the preacher. Um, Come to church with a spirit of excitement. You know, one thing I love about churches like this is seeing teenagers in the front row. I love seeing that. I commend you on that. Our teenagers sit close to the front. And you know, it's a blessing to see them responding at the invitation. The spirit, the atmosphere. 
Don't you think football players and basketball players feel inspired when their fans are cheering them on? Well, guess what? As your pastor stands up here and preaches the word of God, give him some amens every once in a while. Smile when he says something good. When he stands up against the devil, get excited about that. The story's told one time about a preacher who was, he had just gotten saved like within the last three or four years. And he got saved later in life and he just got gloriously saved and his life was transformed. And he had a, he had a horrible past in his background. But, but he was so excited about serving God. And he was preaching one night. And he got so excited about Jesus and he started preaching at the devil. And the story was, that was told to me is he began to swear at the devil while he was preaching. It, it came from his past. He, he got caught cussing the devil out while he was preaching. And I'm not saying I condone that, but don't miss the point of the story here. And halfway through his tirade on Satan, he stopped. And he looked at the church and said, church, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I sh- I'm sorry. That's from my past. Please forgive me. I- I'm willing to resign. I should have never. And a man stood up in the back immediately and said, sir, pastor, church, I don't know about you, but I like a pastor is not afraid to cuss the devil out. Amen. I'm not saying we should do that. I'm not condoning that. But can I tell you something? You'll be a blessing to your pastor as you support him and encourage him and bring with you every service, the spirit and an atmosphere that makes a difference as he preaches and we sing in church. Amen. Number three, and I love this one. This is what I want to spend a little time on. I love this one. Number three, listen, listen very carefully. Never get, never get to the point where you stop being amazed. I love the sign for amaze. You can exaggerate American signing sometimes. It's like, I can just sign it in general real quickly, amaze, but, but watch this real exaggerated sign. It's like, man, wow, wow. And that's what the Bible says happens here. The Bible, again, it says in verse number six, it says, now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded. Verse number seven, and they were all amazed. Verse number 11, the Bible says, again, it says they were the wonderful works of God. And verse number 12, they were all amazed. Can I tell you something? We as Christians today need to still be amazed by our God. Our God is an amazing God. He's a wonderful God. There's things in this world that just amaze me. This right here is one of them. I mean, when I started pastoring 25 years ago, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't. We still had landlines with long cords that got tangled, right? And now we have these. These have changed the world. That amazes me. Cars amaze me. Airplanes amaze me. Americans love to be amazed. We spend a lot of money being amazed. Here's what we do. This man is incredible at putting on tight pants and shoulder pads and deflating footballs and throwing them across the field. And we give him millions of dollars and we're amazed that he can throw a football. Here's another guy. He puts on silk pajamas. He dunks a ball in a garbage can 10 feet high. I know I've mentioned this probably already this week. And we get amazed by that. But here's my favorite of them all. We're so amazed and impressed by people who spend their lives making money by being fake. You know what I'm talking about, right? Actors and actresses, right? Wow. You're so incredible at being fake. You are the best phony on this planet. 
You read these scripts and make me believe that you are somebody you're not. Plus $75,000 worth of plastic surgery hasn't hurt you either. And you're just this beautiful, incredible creature. And we roll out red carpet for human beings who are good at football or basketball or baseball or acting. But tonight I want to remind you that God created the sun just because he could. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Genesis chapter 1 verse 16 where the Bible says just in passing and he made the stars also. That's how powerful our God is. It was almost like it was forgotten. He's talking about his creation. He's talking about all the things he's done. And then he says, oh, don't forget to put the stars in there. Have you ever studied the stars? Our sun is a star. It's a very small star. And God names the stars. And God knows the stars. And that's just one thing that God has done. And God, as you look at eyeballs and the heartbeat and the the way we breathe and the way we eat and digest and then just all the creation now, the trees the grass, the ocean. I mean, look at all the things that God has done. God is amazing tonight. When's the last time we as Christians just sat and meditated on how awesome God is? Just how amazing He is. Just thinking about it in your heart. Thinking about how one time He parted the Red Sea just because He could. Thinking about how He spit fire on Mount Carmel. Thinking about how He helped a young teenager defeat a giant. Thinking about how he did all these miracles through the Bible. Thinking about how he raised the dead, fed the multitudes, healed the blind, touched the deaf ears, saved souls, walked on water, and then died on the cross, and then lived again so that you and I can be saved. Tonight, may I remind you how amazing it is that we've been saved by the grace of God. I always get bothered and concerned by so many Christians today. Who have lost the joy of their salvation. I always laugh when I ask somebody. Hey man. Tell me about the day you got saved. And they're like. Excuse me. That's a personal question. Excuse me. (laughs) Ask me. I'll be glad to tell you. I was a sinner on my way to hell. There was no hope for me. I was lost and undone. But God loved me. He went out of his way for me. He found me where I was. He plucked me out of that miry clay. He set me on a rock. All my sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. Holy Ghost is my comforter. The Bible is my book. And heaven is my home. Hey. I'm talking about an amazing God. We serve a God who can do anything. He's never gotten tired. He's never gotten sick. He's never gotten weary. He's never been discouraged. He is the King of Kings. He is the Hall. Okay. I'm sorry. That's where the car Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Whoa. Hallelujah. We, we serve a living God who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we are on the winning side tonight. If that doesn't impress you, then something's wrong. The best thing any man can do can't touch the littlest thing our God can do. That's the God we serve tonight. And it doesn't matter how much the devil tries to discourage us or defeat us or disappoint us or make us feel like we're losing. We are on the winning side tonight. And church, stay amazed. This building is amazing. How God gave it to you is amazing. The church growth is amazing. The programs you have going is amazing. Why? Because God's an amazing God. God is a wonderful God. Trust Him. Look to Him. Get excited about it. I oftentimes get asked by younger preachers, Brother Randy, how do you stay so excited all the time? And I tell them, this Sunday could be the Sunday 
that we see nationwide revival. And I said, well, Brother Randy, what happens if it's not? Then it might be next Sunday. I'm serious. I don't know what God's going to do. But God can do more in three minutes than I can do in 1,000 lifetimes. When God wants to move strong, he can. But he didn't move in this chapter, notice, until his people were assembled, till they brought a good atmosphere, till they were amazed. And God said, watch what I can do. Number one, assemble. Number two, bring the atmosphere. Number three, stay amazed. Number four, assurance. Notice what Peter does. I love this. As soon as the crowd gathers, as soon as God starts to move, Peter stands up in verse number 14 and starts to preach the word of God. Look at it. Acts chapter 2 verse 14. The Bible says, but Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he begins to preach the word of God to the crowd. And the Bible talks about how he preaches Jesus. He preaches his death and his burial and his resurrection. And 3,000 souls get saved. Listen, church, I know sometimes when you go out and you go out in that workplace and you listen to the news and you read the news, it's easy to get discouraged and frustrated. That's why church is so important. Because when you assemble here and you see the atmosphere here and you get amazed and your pastor stands up, and I know Pastor Stensis, he's not up here giving you his opinions on things. He's not giving you his philosophy on things. He's preaching the word of God. And you know what the Bible says about the word of God? Heaven and earth might pass away, but my words will never. God's word is so powerful and it gives us the assurance we need to continue. I'm coming to church on Wednesday night. I'm coming to church next Sunday. I'm excited about Sunday school. I'm excited about Sunday morning church. I'm excited about Sunday night church. My wife often says one of the problems with Americans today is we don't prioritize like we used to. And church ought to be at the top of our priority. It ought to exceed sports. It ought to exceed so many things that we do in our life. And when we come to church and we're in the spirit of church and we see God moving in God's power, happening. Listen, can I tell you one big reason why I don't like missing these things? I don't want to miss what God's going to do. I don't want to miss church because God might do something big that day. God does stuff all the time. But you never know what God's got planned. And I want a front row seat to see and say, yeah, I was there when God did fill in the blank. Imagine how many people saw the miracles of Jesus Christ and talked about it the rest of their life. You see, we don't think about these things sometimes. The book of John, chapter 21, John said this. If we recorded everything that Jesus did, the books of the world could not contain what Jesus did. Do you realize that all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give us a synopsis of approximately 52 days of Jesus Christ's life? That's it. He lived 33 and a half years. His ministry was three and a half years. But in those four Gospels, we have... Technically, they say, arguably, they say, is, is just a peak into 52 of his days, including his birth, including the time when he's 12 years old, and including his ministry, the crucifixion, the death, resurrection, and the ascension. 52 days, that's it. Imagine the lives that Jesus touched, 
No wonder the world was turned upside down. No wonder the gospel spread all over the world. Why? Because these people assembled. They brought an atmosphere. They stayed amazed. And they loved assurance. And that leads to number five. And I'm done. They got active. They got active. You see, the first four, God does a lot. God has a lot to do with that. God, God helps us assemble. God gives us the spirited atmosphere. God gives us the amazement. God gives us the assurance of his word. But now number five, we take action. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. 42 through 47, the Bible says this. I love this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You know what the church did? They got busy. They got active. Can I encourage all of you tonight to do something for this church? Do something for it. Do something. First of all, everybody pray for the church. Pray for the power of God. Pray for revival. Number two, pray that God will send forth more laborers. And number three, pray that God will give you something to do in this church. I love when people come to me in my church. I've been there 25 years now. And they say, hey, preacher, I have an idea. And they give me this idea. And I'm like, wow, that is great. Go and start it and get some meetings going. Let me know how it goes. Well, it was just an idea. I know if God gave you that idea, I guess you're supposed to do it, right? Right? Hey, I'm talking about let's get active. Do something for God. Pass that track out. Invite someone to church. Is Becky here tonight? Miss Becky, is Becky here tonight? Yes. We visited Peaches today. And we had such a good time visiting with her. And what a blessing it was. She gave us her salvation testimony. She got saved by one of her uh, ex-boyfriend's grandma's letter to the Lord many years ago. And we just got to talk about it. She's been reading the book already that you gave to her. What a blessing. Yesterday, Becky buys the book, goes right to her cousin's house who's deaf but actually doesn't know sign language, hands the book to her, and she's almost finished the book already. I'm impressed. I didn't think that was that great, but I'm impressed she's almost finished the book. Man. I wrote the book. I don't think that's great. It'll help you fall asleep if you need some sleeping help, right? That's activity. When we pulled up and walked to the door, she was ready for us. The door was open. She's like, come on in. And we walked right in. Why? Because someone had already been active. Hey, church, get active. Stay busy. Or someday, church will just be a place. All over America and all over the world. Brother Pastor Sanchez, you know what I'm talking about. Many churches that were hopping. God was moving. It was an event. Now they're just empty buildings or they're a shell of what they used to be. Because somewhere along the line, the people lost that awe, that excitement, that energy, that passion, that zeal, that assurance, that activity. But right here, you got something good going on here. Wow, God is blessing. I hope you all don't miss it. I hope you don't take it for granted. Listen, my wife and I have been talking. We've been in a lot of churches. This is one of the best we've been in a long time, huh, baby? It's amazing. Get ready. Roll up your sleeves. Fasten your seatbelts. God, get ready. Take you on a ride. So with that being thought, assemble. Bring the atmosphere. Stay amazed. Thank God for the assurance. And get active. Get active. Hedge your bad eyes are closed. Thank you for listening so well tonight.
heads are bowed and our eyes are closed tonight. Thank you so much, church, for being here this evening. I've got a huge burden for this because I preach in a lot of churches where I feel like the church is just starting to become a place. I've traveled this country. My wife and I have seen many churches, many church buildings with signs on them, and many times I wonder, I wonder what that church was like 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Somewhere along the line, something happened. People lost what God had given to them. Tonight, church, I want to encourage all of us to just seize this moment. Carpe diem, seize the day. This is our time. This is our opportunity to be a part of something big, something exciting, something great. Lord, may the Lord help you and I tonight to realize that we can be a part of an event. When we get to heaven someday, we'll be able to talk about what God did at First Baptist Church of Eden, Ohio. And everybody can do their part. The children, the teenagers, the young adults, the middle-aged, the elderly, we can all do our part. This is your church. This is the church that God has given to you. This is your time. This is your opportunity. Thank God for the revivals of old, but they're gone. They're done. This is your chance right now. We get to be a part. We don't have to do this. We get to be a part of this. We get to experience revival. Oh, may God do some great things here. I feel like he's, he's already has, but he's going to continue to do so. But make sure, church, you do your part so that God might move freely. God loves unity. God loves one accord. As always tonight, salvation knows the most important decision you'll ever make. With their heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder this evening if someone would say, Preacher, I'm not sure that I've been saved. I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven someday. I'm not sure that I've been born again. Tonight, though, I would like to talk to somebody. I would like to, to make sure that I'm saved, make sure that I'm going to heaven someday. I would like to let Jesus Christ become my personal Savior. Pray for me tonight. If you're online, send a message to the men up there. If, if you're here in the building, would you just quietly lift up your hand and say, you know, I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven. Nobody's looking. I'm just looking around. I don't want to miss your hand. If that's you tonight, just quietly lift up your hand and say, Preacher, I need Jesus Christ. I need salvation. Please pray for me tonight. If that's you, just quietly lift up your hand. I see some young children raising their hand. That's a blessing. God bless you, young lady in the back. I see that. Children raising your hand. Wonderful. Talk to your parents about it. Get that settled. To the lady in the back. In just a little while, we're going to give an invitation. We'd love to have somebody take a Bible and tell you how to know for sure you're going to heaven someday. So you've come to a church, which you're very blessed to be here tonight because this church isn't going to teach you what the church says. It's going to teach you what the Bible says about salvation. Jesus Christ tell you how to be saved. By the way, I love it when one person raises their hand. It means you won't be alone now. One person was courageous enough to raise their hand. Anybody else tonight? Preacher, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven someday. I'm not sure that I've been saved. I'm not sure that I've been born again. Please pray for me tonight. I I want that great event of salvation. Pray for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Anybody back there in the building tonight? Anybody else? Salvation is the most important decision you'll ever make. Again, I love that young children are raising their hand. Talk to your parents about it. That's wonderful. Young lady in the back there, in just a little while, we invite you to come. Church, let's be a part of this great event and watch God do great things. Sure do love and appreciate you. Looking forward to two more nights. Thank you. God bless. Preacher.